Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for April 28. My name is John Mason. It's great you could join us. Fruitful outcomes are something we normally expect from worthwhile endeavours. So we look for measures of productivity in the corporate world, a measure of life and growth. Why then do we often overlook the fact that Jesus is concerned with productivity? I'll talk more about this shortly, but first, a reading from the Bible. A reading from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them Bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fruitful outcomes are something we normally expect from worthwhile endeavors. So we look for measures of productivity in the corporate world, a measure of life and growth. Why then do we often overlook the fact that Jesus is concerned with productivity? He lived in an agrarian culture and on one occasion used grape growing as a metaphor for the productivity to which he is committed. Vineyard owners work hard to develop the quality and the output of each vine. They know that to get maximum output, judicious pruning is required. Good growers Don't confuse short-term profitability with long-term viability. Indeed, Jesus makes the point that a good vine grower treats low-producing branches quite differently from non-productive ones. In John chapter 15, in the opening lines, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Now to understand his reference to fruit, we need to consider the context of his words. John chapter 14 concludes with Jesus' expectation that his people will love him and keep his commands. And in John chapter 15 and verse 9, we read, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. There are times in the Old Testament when Israel was likened to a vine, 
planted and tended by God. Psalm 80 verses 8 and 9 says of God, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. By the time of Jesus, the grapevine was close to being a national symbol for Israel, a little like the Big Apple for New York. But there's an irony. Wherever we find the metaphor of the vine in the Old Testament, it is usually associated with the moral and spiritual degradation of Israel. Isaiah chapter 5, for example, tells us that instead of producing good grapes, Israel yielded sour grapes. For all the blessing God showered upon his people, he looked in vain for the harvest of righteousness he wanted to see. For his part, the prophet Ezekiel commented that Israel was a useless vine. With his words, I am the true vine, Jesus challenges Israel. Israel may say it is a vine, he says, but I am the true vine. You are the branches, he continues. Those who abide in me, and I in them, bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. These tough words weren't just for Israel. They are words to everyone who says they are Christian, but for whom Christianity is no more than a survey box to check. Jesus warns us that he expects the visible evidence of our loyalty to him. In the absence of such evidence, we cannot be assured of his friendship. It's said that the philosopher C.E.M. Jode was once asked at a university high table, Tell me, what do you think of God? To which he replied, My greater concern is what God thinks of me. Israel's mistake was to assume that because they had the temple, because they had the scriptures, because they had the right pedigree, they would be immune from judgment. We today can say, I've been baptized and married in the church, and I attend church at Christmas and Easter, thinking that all will be well when we pass from this world to the next. But according to Jesus, the mark of everyone who is part of the true vine is fruitfulness. Where fruitfulness is absent, so is true faith. So he continues, Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. There's a dramatic change of tense in the verbs here. Literally he is saying, Whoever is not remaining in me, the present, has been thrown away. Past tense. This strange counterpoint of tenses suggests that the severance of the branch and its consequent decay are not the result of its sterility, but the cause. It is because it never really belonged to the vine that it never produced fruit. So when Jesus speaks of branches in me being cut off, he's referring to people who have superficially called themselves Christian. Love in response to God's love, prayer and loyalty to God's commands is what Jesus expects of us. As we reflect on what this fruit-bearing love and obedience looks like, we see that it refers to the reality of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
the quality of our life measured by the Ten Commandments and the exhortations we find in the New Testament. It also involves sharing God's passion for the lost. Fruitfulness is seen in godly love and living, prayer and drawing others to know Christ Jesus. Let's pray for God's grace in these troubling times, enabling us to lead fruitful lives in Christ. So urgent is the need for fruitful gospel living today, so ill-equipped are many of God's people, that I ask you to join with me in praying that many more will take up the current opportunity of accessing the Anglican Connection Gospel-Focused Online Conference. It's not just for ministers or even Anglicans. Available until May 31st at www.anglicanconnection.com It is for everyone who is committed to the priority of God's good news. Keynote speakers include Dr. John Lennox, Richard Borgonon of Word One to One, Dr. Liam Golliger, and Keith Getty. Thank you. 
Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom The power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. A prayer for this week. Heavenly Father, the giver of all good things, fill our hearts with thankfulness, and grant that by your holy inspiration we may think those things that are good, and by your grace and guidance do them. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all people and banish from them the spirit that makes for conflict so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A prayer for all in authority. Almighty God, the fountain of all goodness, we humbly pray you to bless all who hold positions of authority and public office in every land, so that all things, especially in these uncertain times, may be ordered in wisdom, righteousness, and peace, to the honor of your holy name and the good of your church and people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for those in need. O God, the creator and preserver of all humankind, we humbly pray for all who are in any kind of trouble, sorrow, sickness, anxiety, or need. We particularly pray for those who have lost loved ones through COVID-19. We thank you that a vaccine has now been produced and pray that it will be made available both speedily and fairly so that all peoples and nations may benefit. Father, We also continue to pray for people who suffer because of injustice, poverty, 
and powerlessness. Lord, enable us to share with others the material things that they need. Most of all, in your great mercy, bring comfort and hope through the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died and rose to save us and to give us meaning and hope forever. We ask all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, Andrew Pearson, the Dean and Senior Minister of the Cathedral Church of the Advent, Birmingham, Alabama, Craig Smalley and Catherine Jacob, members of the Cathedral Ministry Team. The introductory and concluding music is from the Cathedral under the direction of Dr. Frederick Teodou and Zachary Hicks. The Stuart Townend hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, is sung by the Chamber Choir of St. Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Prayers are drawn from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the Bible reading is from the New Revised standard version. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. It would be great to hear from you. And don't forget, registration for post-conference access is at www.anglicanconnection.com.